2: And they've got a sixth member. Don't ask. Don't, don't tell. It's just... Don't.
0: Legion of Superheroes number 269. Who shall name the Dark Man? Published November 1980. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Jimmy James. Synopsis. The Fatal Five returns with a terrifying new member.
2: So it's uh, National Election Day, or I, I should say, not National Election Day, but a planet-wide Election Day. EarthGov, EarthGov is trying to elect a new president, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of really like. And who's the writer on this? Jerry Conway. I do you know what his Conway, politics yep. are?
3: Uh, I want to say Conway is a big old liberal, but I don't know. I know I followed him. Um, during the previous administration, and he, he had some very, very, uh, un, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not particularly happy thoughts about uh, that era. But Well, I mean, I don't think anybody
2: actually had good thoughts. The only reason why I'm asking is because, <laughs> you know, there is the, there is this thing that's in place in this issue mm-hmm. where it essentially is a national holiday, and it's a it's a big party and everybody is going to go and vote and the way that candidates are selected is they don't run on a party they're not elected through their party there's no primaries it is just a random draw of mm-hmm. names from a hat because of the idea that um the the best people to govern are the people who don't want to govern right uh, where this, well, it's, it's this not idea entirely of entirely random well, it's this idea of we're drawing names from a hat. I mean, essentially that's what they're doing, right? And they're saying, "Hey, here are the three people that that the system has drawn, and these people right. are up for
3: up for EarthGov president." But it specifically says that the computer takes into account skill, competence, and decency, which does bring to mind the question of how Kendrew and/or Kendro Boltax uh, got involved. But I mean, you know, it, it power it's not entirely random. You know, I mean, power like corrupts. Some guy in the corner. But, yeah.
2: Well, no, but it gets into this, this idea in this theory that the best people who should, uh, lead are the people who don't want to do it. You know, uh, what yes. is it, uh, who was it that says, uh, I will, um, great men have, um, greatness thrust upon them. And I, I forget what the exact phrase is, but mm-hmm. it is.
3: Some men you, are born great. Others have greatness thrust upon them, I believe.
2: Yes. And that's kind of the way that this setup is. And I, and I like that fact that it's not. People want to be president. People are looking to uh, become career politicians. Unfortunately, the the way that we have things now is that people go to college to learn politics, to get their political science degrees so that they can then go into politics or go into lobbying. And this Mm -hmm. is just like, hey, you man sitting on your couch go and become president or tell us why you should be president. And so then you get to stand up on election day and tell people why you should be president. And everybody listens to you and then they go out and vote. And I think that that is really kind of an interesting system that the future builds up. And I, and I know that there is a political line of thinking. That's why I was asking about uh, Conway's politics. There's a political line of thinking that believes that that is how everybody should be selected. That, you know, uh, even at your local level, it's like, oh, who should be on the city council? Tim, Tim over there should be on city council. Tim, tell us why you should or shouldn't be on city council and go through that, go through that, um, go through that, uh, system. So I, I kind of sure. like that. I kind of like that idea. Um, we do get to meet two of the three presidents.
3: in Presidential this candidates.
2: Candidates. Yes. In this bit, yeah. uh, president one is advocating for a national ID card, which is, you know, opening up a can of worms to great conspiracy theories. Uh, (laughs) so many people are like, do not take a national ID card. And it's like, uh, dude, if you have a job, you already have a national ID card. It's called a social security card. Mm -hmm. Um, did you get a social security card when you went looking for a job or did you get your social security card soon after birth? Because with me, I had to go and apply for my social security card when I was 13.
3: I don't remember. Oh, honestly. And I know I, today, I like as like soon, as you're, born, yeah, as, soon like as you're born. My had one. Yeah. As soon as you're born, basically,
2: within a few days, they have your social security number and everything ready and they tattoo it on you and they inject you with the microchips and then your skin becomes magnetic. Oh,
3: President One sounds like a great candidate. Well, I mean, I mean. You know, there are people who are like, don't let them see your face, man. They'll put you in a database. Know, and I'm right? like, boy, are you going to be mad when you hear about driver's licenses? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I I don't necessarily feel like at the time. First of all, this is a very young Jerry Conway writing. This is like a 26, 27-year-old Conway. So I think it it may be one of those things where it's like, hey, let's come up with a cool future thought. And the story it's, does it's actually more on, name it's more check in line. Arthur C. Clarke.
2: Yeah, it is really in Uh, line with things that are going on today.
3: Yeah. Clark and, uh, to a lesser degree, Douglas Adams both said that nobody who wants to be president should ever be allowed to be president. Right. Which, honestly, I don't necessarily not believe that either. But I like the fact that here it's just, oh, yeah, weird kind of cool future thing where everybody's out in the streets partying and it's, it's supposed to be fun. And even Timberwolf is like, what is fun about this? I do not understand because yeah. I am the designated Wolverine of the group. And now I must be against everything. Ha ha ha.
2: Do you, uh, so I don't know if it's still in place today, but when we were younger, uh, mm-hmm. all the liquor stores and all the bars had to be closed on election day until after the polls closed. Uh, and you certainly couldn't sell alcohol while the polls were open. That may have just been a Kansas thing, but now mm. that's not the case. Um, I'm certainly a big advocate of making election day a national holiday for presidential elections Mm -hmm. and even midterms, uh, because what ends up happening right now, and I'm sure many people listening know this, but for those of you who are outside of the United States, uh, your employer is supposed to allow you time off from work to go Mm -hmm. and vote. Not every business does that correctly or Mm -hmm. in the spirit in which it is intended. And so there's a lot of people who just literally cannot take off work because they need the money or because their employer is a jerk uh, or, you know, uh, mainly it is the work thing that that keeps people away from from the polls. And certainly there is a big push to make Election Day a national holiday. And then, of course, there's one political party that doesn't want that to happen because if too many people go out and vote for some reason, they always lose. (laughs) So
3: there you go. Well, I want to say that the ban on, um, the ban on alcohol sales on election day is actually a relic of prohibition. Hmm. I want to say that during, during that time, uh, the polling stations and, uh, the bars were the same thing, or maybe pre-prohibition polling stations were in bars. And so when prohibition came around, they were like, ah, well, you can't, you can't serve any of this stuff. You're, you're just, no, it's wrong. It's bad. But Um, I think that it would have been funny to see Colossal Boy totally, you know, whammed and going to the polls, going, I vote for my mom. Well, and
2: that's the reason why they didn't, that's why they didn't have those alcohol sales, right, is because they didn't want people getting drunk and going out and casting a a non-informed, inebriated ballot. And today, you know, people just go out and fill out a non-informed ballot. Um, So there you go. Uh, So there's, you know, it's a big party, double page
3: spread, some some kind of cool art from uh, Jimmy Janes in here. Um, yeah. I do like his, uh, the costumes, his future costumes on the random passersby mm-hmm. where you look at it and you almost look at the Legion costumes and they don't stand out as weird superhero right. costumes. Right. Right. Cause right. everybody is dressed like a future goober. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. I mean, that is,
2: so I never, I never looked at the clothing that the Legion of superheroes members were wearing as quote unquote costumes except for maybe mon l uh mainly because of the cape the thing that would that i always separated them off from like normal average clothing was the fact that they had their symbol on their chest and so i always took the symbol as their identifier as a superhero so you know Mm -hmm. princess projectra or colossal boy or somebody could just be totally changing their clothes every issue and as long as they had that symbol on their chest or on their right uh lapel or wherever that they have it then that would designate them as members of that of that superhero group i kind of always looked at things like um invisible girl just as kind of like mm-hmm. clothing that she phantom would wear girl. from her qu- yeah phantom girl clothing that she would
3: wear from her <laughs> quote unquote uh, country kind of stuff right her world and yeah. you know uh, while we're on the subject of projectors clothes did you notice the color blocking no. In this issue, actually, this issue and the next one, Projectra and Shadow Lass are colored to where it looks like their bikini costumes have underwear. Because uh, Projectra has got really low cleavage, but in this issue, you can see it in that Monel panel on page three uh, the whole chest panel is red, like she's wearing something under her leotard. And Phantom Girl, who usually has open sides on her little T bar bikini, has dark blue sides that makes it look like she's wearing like a a one piece swimsuit with blue blocks and black areas. And I'm wondering if this is the point where we're going to start to see the de of the Legionnaires. No, because uh, the, the grill 80s era is officially f- over.
2: the the uh, the the 80s still continue for quite some time. So
3: yeah, uh, but Saturn Girl isn't much longer in h- in her uh, pink pleather bikini, as I recall. And I'm just Obviously, projector's costume doesn't really change all that much, but it's weird to me. At first, I'm like, oh, it's a coloring error, but they do it consistently throughout the issue where both of these characters have, you know, what would normally be a cleavage window colored in. And, you know, I don't know. It, it just feels like one of those things where either the colorist messed up consistently or maybe editorial was like,
0: maybe we should
3: look at
2: this. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I mean, certainly we are, uh, in 1980, we are starting to see going back to politics. We are starting to see uh, politics swing back, uh, the other way from the, the heyday of the Carter administration. We're starting to see the satanic panic set in. We're starting to see right. sex, drugs, and rock and roll are corrupting our youth. And so certainly right. giving a netting on, um, on some of these, uh, clothes, uh, could mm-hmm. be something that is something that they are actively uh, thinking about uh, with Shadowless or with Princess Projectra, um, mm-hmm. but it could just be that hey, maybe I didn't want to. Maybe it's chilly weather. It's November, right, for election time. Shouldn't we be wearing <laughs> some it- heavier clothing? I'm going to imagine that you know uh, this this issue did come out in November of 1980. Yeah, I would imagine I that it came out wa- at or around an election time. Uh, well, so,
3: it would have come out in August, late August, I mean, early
2: September, right around an election time. I mean, that's, if you turned on TV, you'd hear Reagan say it's morning in America and I'm here to make the world better. <laughs> Actually, I think that's a 1984, uh, campaign, but, uh, the fact still remains. We are in the, the high end of an election cycle and the satanic panic and all the corruption of youth is, yeah, uh, and is bothering we're not that
3: far from the moral majority and the, pornographic nonsense and everything that pops up that throughout the eighties, we see the rejection of those wild and crazy sixties and seventies, free love man ideas. So I get it.
2: So at some point, at some point, um, shadow lass starts rubbing Monel's ear and says, Hey, how about we get out of here? And go to the beach, and Monel is like, "Well, I was carrying Princess Projectra, but I'll drop her and I'll go fly off with you, so we can go make out (laughs) at the beach."
3: (laughs) Drops her on a flagpole, which does bring up a question, and not for the first time in this issue, or for the last time, rather, isn't Projectra wearing her flight ring? I don't know because I I don't see all Legionnaires can fly, but in this sequence, it seems like Monel is doing the flying for her. Yeah. And he drops her on, you know, a, oh, ha ha. He drops her on a a flagpole
2: Well, to see, let that's her climb
3: the, down. That's
2: the problem. The Legion flight ring has, in my opinion at this point, kind of become a use it when we need to kind of thing. Where, you know, remember like half the time, it's like, my Legion ring is invisible unless I command it to be uninvisible. And I think that's the same way here is that the whim of the writer says, oh, they're not wearing their rings or the ring isn't important here because I want this person to fall for the gag effect. Then, uh, the ring is not useful. Or later on when there's a collapsing building, uh, moment where it's like, yes, they should totally be able to fly out of this and rescue everyone out of there. Uh, but they, but they don't because the writer is like, they're not using flight rings in this
3: issue. So but the flight rings are their communicators and their emergency signals and the flight rings contain their transuits. I mean, it feels like if it is a conscious decision, it's like saying, Oh, uh, Spider-Man, uh, left his web shooters at home as opposed to Spider-Man ran out of web fluid in the middle of the room, which, you know, that's an in story justification. And I, I can deal with that if they had said, Oh, we're not wearing flight rings because flight rings are banned at the polls for some reason.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly feels, think it is. It feels weird. I honestly think it's just the whim of the writer kind of thing. This deus ex. Well, somebody uh,
3: needs to tell the whim of the rider that they can fly, man. Yeah. All the legionaries can fly, man. Uh, meanwhile, we get
2: introduced to presidential candidate number two, and blah, bu- 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 It's Jim's mom.
3: <laughs> Last scene in Adventure Comics 372, turned to Glass by Tarek the Butte. I just thought I'd share that. Yeah. Jim's mom, Marta Allen, who is apparently a political Earthling. science professor at Metropolis University, yeah, is now one of the candidates, which, again, kind of makes sense. You know, uh, Jim actually comes out and says that she specializes in the old days of political nonsense, which I'm pretty sure was a burn on Reagan um, or, you know, the political climate of 1980 going up to the beginning of the Reagan administration. But it's, yeah. His mother is one of the presidential candidates. I wonder if
2: she will win. Uh, I don't know, but they certainly do bring up the question of, is this a conflict of interest? Mm -hmm. And I would like to know why people are concerned that this might be a conflict of interest.
3: Well, in previous stories, we've seen EarthGov. Uh, basically flexing their muscles with the Legion. The whole uh, One Hero Too Many story where EarthGov came in and said, look, you only you can only have 24 Legionnaires and we're going to force out Matter land. I mean, we've seen Boltax, the previous president, and the things that he did to kind of manipulate the Legion. I think that the use of the Legion as a quasi-police force is... At least enough of a precedent that it could make it problematic. I mean, look at it this so way: if is you it, look at,
2: is it problematic mm-hmm. that the Queen of England has mm-hmm. sons and grandsons in the military?
1: Yes, up
3: to a point. The Queen doesn't make policy decisions for the United Kingdom, so the Queen well, she is might the, be she aware. is the where She is the head of the armed forces of England. Yeah, but I don't know that she's the one who literally makes decisions about, you know, invading the Falkland Islands. I mean, she uh, can
2: if she wants uh, that. That is her right. She's she uh, the way it's it it says is the authority to issue orders has been delegated to her commanders in the field, but Mm -hmm. she does retain the right to issue orders personally.
3: But I think. That, you know, uh, for instance, if you and uh, Mrs. Schleicher were both in the military and she outranked you, they would not put you directly in her chain of command in most situations.
2: Well, and so that um, but isn't, but isn't the Legion then, aren't they their own independent organization that has oversight? Not necessarily the Legion is under the direct command of the president of the United Planets. Mm-hmm.
3: But we've seen the president of the United Planets give the Legion direct orders and have the Legion respond. I mean, sure, it is not consistent. In some stories, the Legion is absolutely an independent body. And in some stories, EarthGov or the UP can push them around. But I think that's the same way. The the of the writer. But but
2: that's the same way with the Justice League, right? The Justice League is its own independent agency. But if the president calls up and says, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, I need your help now. They're going to respond. I don't think you would ever see it. Well, hopefully we've never seen an issue where Superman's on the phone with the president going. Yes, yeah, sorry, Prez. I can't help you. We're too busy grooving out on drugs, man. And then hangs up the phone. I think he would. I think he Mighty would respond. Specific issue you're writing there. <laughs> it, it's a, it was the uh, pre Shadow Last getting covered up uh, issue of Superman. Uh, And then suddenly that one went out and everyone's like, Hey, we're going to crack down on you guys. If you keep uh, putting on this outlandish controversial moments where the president is uh, being shut down by, by Superman of all people. So I think that, you know, just like today, um, I, I guess more like the, the justice league, if the president made Mm -hmm. a request to the justice league, they would do everything in their power to respond, but they're not going to deny a request or a quote-unquote order from the president. Even when Lex Luthor was president, Superman was still doing things that the president asked. Um, uh, He wasn't just going, no, you're Lex Luthor, you're evil. I will never do this. And I think the same thing goes true in the Avengers, right? The Avengers are not a military organization funded by the government. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's the the same way with them. So I think Legion of Superheroes, in my mind at least, kind of works that same way. They have some oversight by EarthGov because... If you want to be a, uh, you know, a quasi paramilitary organization operating under the United Planets, then we do want to have some say, but we're not funding you and we're not, you know, hopefully not uh, abusing our powers to control you and and vice versa.
3: I think um, a bigger concern in this case might be less of a, are they going to push the Legion around than would a theoretical President Allen treat the legion differently because her son is one of their members um, would she you know give the legion preferential treatment in terms of budgeting or would she not send the legion into a dangerous situation knowing that her you know her large adult son <laughs> which is even funnier with his colossal boy her extra extra large adult son is going to be on the front lines of that battle and i feel like that is what At least it feels like Wynn is worried about when he talks to Colossal Boy in this story. And and that's not necessarily that people will think that, you know, the president is manipulating the Legion, but that somehow the Legion gets preferential treatment because the president has a connection to one of their senior members. And that's that's why I brought up the question
2: of the queen, because she has a Mm -hmm. grandson who has stepped down from royal duty. But while he was a member of the royal family. He said, I don't want a cushy military position. I want to go fly helicopters. I forget which what the name of the kid was. Uh, he's, he was out flying helicopters, doing dangerous missions, stationed in Afghanistan, I believe, or Iraq, one of those two places, uh, in the line of fire. And I, and that's why I, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we don't know unless it's tested, right? You can't just say, right. I mean, we, and I'm not saying you, as in you, Matthew, but you as the, the royal you or mm-hmm. we. We can't just say, "Oh, this is obviously a conflict of interest because we don't know if it is until it's been tested yet." So I don't know. maybe maybe uh Jim's mom, because of her ancient political science background,
3: mm-hmm.
2: knows about this and would would do everything she can to make sure there is no conflict of interest.
3: I would hope so, but I think we're also getting into a point where in the in the eighties. You know, that that big push for relevance at the end of the 60s, the beginning of the Bronze Age of comics, that big push of the hard travel and heroes and, mm-hmm. you know, giving things these real world underpinnings and parallels were kind of transitioning into uh, not necessarily realism in comics, but more of a the world outside your window kind of naturalism story. And I feel like Thomas well, definitely yes. touches on that in this issue to try and say I, maybe even to get out in front of it to, to try and say, hey, is this could this be a problem with the Legion of Superheroes and touching on it up front so that they can say, hey, we thought about this and then mm-hmm. you know, completely ignoring it for the rest of the run. Because sure. that's that's how comic books work.
2: Yeah. No. Also, uh, for people that haven't realized that uh, comics have always been political. And so, oh God, yes, it's it's obvious right here. Uh, meanwhile, a mysterious a ship
3: beat up corrupt landlords. For
2: yes, exactly. Uh, meanwhile, mysterious ship out in space uh, Two ne'er-do-wells selling out uh, people. And a, uh, those
3: are science police officers.
2: They are, those are
3: corrupt science policemen.
2: I know all science police are corrupt. Uh, but where's their bubble helmets? Why aren't they wearing science police uniforms?
3: Oh, because it's the, they're, they're undercover. Cause they don't want people to know that they're science policemen. Uh, is that why they're flying
2: around with a big ship that has a uh, UP on the it's back? UP.
3: No, uh, you can't see the other part that says Y O U R S. Mm. Um, but meanwhile,
2: yeah. this, this issue, uh, there's a mysterious somebody, right? This dark man <laughs> that we've heard mentioned, uh, many a time in previous issues. And, you know, politics aside, this issue really reads like a 1950s B movie monster movie, uh, kind of thing, because you know, you've got some mysterious figure manipulating things behind the scenes. Then you've got the moonlit walk on the beach with Mon and shadow Lass, And all of a sudden validus attacks. No, dun, 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 dun. didn't see that coming. And then to make matters worse, just as soon as they're about to make out again, uh, the persuader comes with his mighty ax and they're captured in a green bubble by the Emerald
3: Empress. Yeah. It's, it's actually nice after your Dr. Maya veils and your, you know, weirdos running space carnivals and whatever the heck the, the genie in a bottle thing was to get back to a truly frightening group of villains. That Balladus moment is powerful. It's, it's, it's it's fun and
2: scary. Like I said, it's like a creature from the black lagoon uh, type
3: moment. They, and they sell it too. the art is really fun. And then also I appreciate the fact that when persuader appears, Jimmy James remembers, Hey, this character is supposed to be Asian, but they don't make him banana yellow. Well, I like that. Give, give him time. Oh, I know. I don't think persuader ever gets offensively yellow, but there's the question of, does anybody remember that he is actually from China? And the answer is usually not. No.
2: Uh, Meanwhile, somebody must have been wearing their, um, their emergency ring because, uh, (laughs) Wolverine is sitting back at the base, brooding like Wolverine does smoking (laughs) his cigar, looking at his picture of Jean Grey. I can't wait till you come back. Disney plus.
0: Bub, Bub, snicked,
2: snicked, Bub. And he's like, oh my gosh, I must go and get more people to go out and check out this disturbance that I have been alerted to over the course of four panels. I can't go ask light, uh, lightning lad and Saturn girl. Cause they're too busy making out. And I certainly can't, uh, bother my girlfriend light lass because she's sleeping, but I'll stand here for five minutes looking at her creepily in the dark
3: as she sleeps. <laughs> it's one panel,
2: but I am a lone wolf. Oh, oh, oh. So I will go and do
3: this on my own. Oh, oh, oh. I so hate Conway's take on Timberwolf, Why? but I feel like—I really feel like—they're I mean, trying to make him Wolverine. They're trying to make him the anti-establishment no. loner guy. If
2: anything, if anything, Wolverine is trying too much to be like
3: Timberwolf. Well, this is 1980. Remember, know, we are about a minute from—we're about a minute Timberwolf from Dark appeared Phoenix, before We're about a minute from Days of Future Past. I
2: know, but I'm just saying—one came before the other. Oh yeah, and it was Timberwolf. So Wolverine is acting more. Timberwolf did not
3: have Wolverine's characterization. He just had his haircut and uh, his face. He he
2: had the lone wolf thing from the very first episode, and uh, you know appearance that he had until Light Last turned him into the teen wolf.
3: Ow ow ow! That happened in the same issue, though. <laughs> And no one has mentioned him being a lone wolf since 1966. I know, which is so, why
2: here it's refreshing. Remember, kids, just like you were saying about the Persuader being Asian. Remember, kids, Timberwolf used to be called Lone Wolf. He's going out on his own, bub.
3: Well, I don't like it, snicked
2: bub. Bub's Meanwhile, over at uh, Jim's parents' house, Mano hand, uh, shows up. Mano, the hands of fate? Manos, the hands of fate shows up.
3: Master will be pleased with my exploding your apartment. (laughs) Just when you think, just when you think,
2: things can't get worse. The Rock Johnson shows
3: back up again. If you smell what the Rock is cooking,
2: half man, half robot. (laughs) <laughs> the Rock shows up and puts the smackdown on all of the Legion members until he has some yep. kind of weird spasm in his head. Ah, I'm having a migraine. My solenoids are not interfacing with my uh my cellular divisions. Ah, uh, And then and suddenly he comes back.
3: The Dark Man.
2: It's the Dark Man. Is somehow controlling him. Why is the Dark Man somehow controlling him? We'll never know because all of the members of the Legion of Superheroes are absconded away into a mysterious
3: flying ship until next episode. Yeah. Apparently the dark man got tired of working with uh, the Legion of super assassins and has now decided to bring the fatal five into his army of uh, dorks and, and weenies. But I really do appreciate aside from the fact that, you know, flight rings, I do appreciate Mono's, theory of I know I'll just kill them all by destroying the floor and letting them fall to their own doom. Maybe do you have That's to with your
2: flight neat. ring? Do you have to say like when you're trying to talk to your phone, do you have to on. call out its name and say flight ring flight powers activate now or flight ring put on my trans suit. I wonder if you have to do those. Things. Ring, maybe play my playlist. Maybe the AI is just not working.
0: Legion of Superheroes number 270. Who is the Dark Man? Published December 1980. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Jimmy James. Synopsis. Even the Fatal Five cannot stand against the Dark Man.
2: Anyway, in yeah, the next issue, we are confronted with the question of who is the Dark Man? And we find our heroes are trapped in a bubble at the bottom of the ocean with Cthulhuid monsters looking at them. And no matter what anyone does, Monel can't bust through the bubble. Uh Wildfire can't shoot through the bubble. Uh Princess Projectora can't Princess Project her way out of the bubble.
3: Shadow Lass can't lass her way out of I don't know.
2: Yeah, because there's too much light. Apparently at the bottom of the ocean, Matthew, there's too much light for her shadow powers to activate.
3: But she is the only one who can see uh outside of Monel. Uh, who can see out into the darkness of the, you know, the Marianas Trench or whatever to see the weird Cthulian monsters and Odessa octopi and things outside? So, meanwhile, you know, superpowers from seeing the dark. Me-
2: meanwhile, Timberwolf is out doing Timberwolf things and then gets chastised by Lightning <coughs> Lad and Saturn Girl when he checks in, and they're like, "You should have taken a partner." And He's like, "You guys were too busy smooching." By the way, is smooching allowed when you're on duty? And, and then they're like, oh, okay, well carry on then.
3: Yeah. It just, that feels very forced. I mean, part of my problem with Conway turning Timberwolf into this is it kind of gives us these, these forced days of our lives, moments of drama. Dun, dun, dun.
0: Well, I,
2: yes and no. I I think that, so here's the thing. In any kind of group, group dynamic, I think Mm -hmm. you're always going to have a loner, right? In the case of the Legion of Superheroes, you actually kind of have two loners in the group. Timberwolf mm-hmm. being one and Karate Kid being the other one. And and to a an lesser extent, Tyrock. But that's only because he's too afraid that if he gets close to people, they'll be zapped into his dimension. Trapped there forever for all eternity or until he screams an opening for them to get out. So, yeah, maybe three loners in that group of 23. That seems mm-hmm. about right. So this gives us like we were talking about before where we were splitting the group up into three separate stories so we could go follow the adventures of teens in space and earth teens Mm -hmm. and then whatever the other group was doing. Um, Mm -hmm. this, this gives you an opportunity to tell solo stories where you just have Timberwolf going and doing a thing. Or to an extent we've had solo stories where it's just duo damsel and, um, and uh, bouncing boy on adventures. It's a
3: trio story. Uh, I I I mean, mean, I get the theory behind it. I, mm-hmm. I think, that, you know, especially under Conway, we focus on smaller teams and smaller groups of legionnaires, Yes, which I'm, I'm fine with. I mean, there are a lot of legionnaires, but I feel like when we switch writers, when we go from, you know, Conway to Levitz or back and forth from Levitz to whomever was from before him, we get these little pockets of characterization that only happen under a particular writer. And I feel like this whole, all of a sudden, Timberwolf is a loner. He's always been a loner. Just feels like something that only happens under Conway. And after Conway leaves, we get a completely different Timberwolf. Mm -hmm. And before Conway comes in, we had a completely, I mean, granted, we had an almost featureless Timberwolf from about 66 to 75, but still, I don't know. Well, and again, that goes to a character that annoys me is worse than having no character at all. Well, and I think that is too. It's not that lone Wolf or not. not Lone Wolf
2: Timberwolf says, I've always been a lone wolf. He says, I was a lone wolf before I'll be a lone wolf again. I don't need another member of the team. So it's not like he's saying I've always been a lone wolf, even though I've been working with all these losers the entire time. Um, so I think, and it also goes back to something that rules. Well, and I, it's something that's, I think across comicdom is starting to show up. I mean, it's very prevalent today, but I think Mm -hmm. it's starting to show up in the eighties and especially probably, uh, the nineties more so is that every creative team comes on, they have their time to play with the toys. And then when their time is done, the toys go back in the box, things kind of get reset or readjusted or retconned or whatever, so that the next writer can come in and do whatever they want to do with with the characters and, right. you know, prior to the nineties where you had long runs of creators on, um, on comics, as we've seen here, you maybe have writers, maybe 12 issues, 14 issues, 16 issues. I don't think we've seen anybody do more than 24 issues at a time. Correct.
3: Mm, I can't think of anybody, not since, uh, the Hamilton days. And even then Hamilton was swapping off with, uh, Nelson Bridwell.
2: Yeah, so see, even then, you're swapping back and forth, so it it it's hard to remain consistent. And the other thing, too, is if you put too many restrictions on your characters, like Timberwolf always has to be the loner, Timberwolf always has to be this guy, Legionnaires must always have their flight rings at the ready at all time, uh, Legionnaires must always be sleeping in their costumes, uh, <sighs> that kind of puts restrictions... On the next writer, if they come in and say, well, man, I feel like I can't do anything new if this character can't change and evolve or be the way that I want him or her to
3: be. Or, I guess. Or sleep in her
2: underwear. Yeah. So I don't know, Matthew, I did not, I had a sister, but, uh, she was way younger than I was. And by the time <laughs> she was even in middle school, I was already yeah. in college. Uh, so I never had a sister that was, uh, anywhere close to my age. So I don't know what my reaction would be if my sister walked into the meeting room or the control center or wherever this is in the Legion headquarters, wearing my nighty and that is semi see through and wearing my panties and my bra on underneath. I don't yeah. know if I would just, you know, have a, a casual conversation with her and then suddenly go, and oh, by the way, woman, get back in there and put on some clothes. <laughs>
3: No, I mean, yeah, you don't berate your sister in her underpants. I think that's uh, one of the cardinal rules. But I mean, it is interesting to see them playing up the Rans twins and having them, you know, fighting here. Yeah. Which I think is kind of nice. And again, that's, you know, as you mentioned, that's another one of those things where we're adding characterization and we're, you know, we're bringing up things that may or may not have been seen under other writers. So,
2: yeah. But I I mean, they go on for four panels Hang, having a conversation back and forth with each other before Light Lad suddenly says, "You better get dressed over there. See that he doesn't run off the, on his own. Oh, you better get dressed and over there." Saturn Girl right. are heading to the Metro Beach out, and she's like icily saying, "Anything you say, brother." And then it's like uh, the telenovela will continue after the following page. But, Meanwhile, uh, both Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad are captured instantly. So,
3: yes, it's it's fascinating to me the. The things that Conway does that are relatively subtle as regards the Legionnaires, because as soon as Lightlass is in costume, she, one of the, uh, let's, let's be honest, one of the least powerful Legionnaires, probably the bottom of their power rankings is confronted by validus and the persuader. We've seen validus alone, you know, bruise Superboy. This is, this is a woman who was way outclassed and they're like, you could be a corpse or you can come with us and we'll lock you up with your friends in a bubble. And she's like, or I can just fight you and literally uses her powers to fight them and get away. Yeah. She uses her powers to confuse. She doesn't you know, try and overpower them, which is smart, but she uses her abilities, confronts them and then runs while they're confused. And I'm like, that's cool. And when you add that together yeah. with the Legionnaires in the bubble, freaking out and going, Oh, we're all going to die. Everything's hopeless. And then Shrinking Violet, of all people, saying, no, we're the Legion, there's always hope. Right. I really feel, I like the way Conway is committing to, I hate to say the F word, but he's committing to these feminist roles for the characters, to strong hero roles for Legionnaires who don't always, you know, have the, the power potential to be right up in the front. So that's kind of neat.
2: Well, yes. And, and historically, Shrinking Violet has always been somebody who has not been up front, and forceful on herself, uh, light, Her shrink violet. I know, but Can't light lass look. has kind of been the same way, right? She's always kind of taken a back seat, uh, to other people. Yep. So for these characters, and as we saw, uh, last, uh, episode with, uh, dream girl, uh, mm-hmm. deciding that, you know, I don't have to take this anymore and, uh, I'm mad as hell and I'm going to punch you or I'm going yep. to change the gravity of your atomic axe So you, bunch validus in the face and now validus and you can fight, 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 fight. Also something else that I found really fascinating here. We have seen a couple of times, uh, the Legionnaires undressing, right? This may be the first time that we've actually seen a Legionnaire light last putting her costume on. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which I found very fascinating. You know, there was that episode where they were in, in space and they were being captured and they all had to strip down to their underwear, including, uh, RJ brand. Um, But this is one where you actually see her getting dressed. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Not in a, not in a skeevy, creepy way. Like, oh, look at her back. No, but in more in a way of, oh, look, they're showing somebody doing something that is
3: natural. Right. Right. Something that is part, you you know, is part of a hero's thing. She doesn't wear that costume Mm -hmm. all the time, every day. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And I, you know, that is neat. And that's the kind of thing that I really appreciate. What I think of is like a Marvel style detail. Yeah. from Jerry Conway, that yeah. moment of, Oh yeah. Spider-Man has to make a new costume or, you know, Oh, the web, the web spinners are broken and we have to deal with it in an in story way. That, that mm-hmm. stuff is neat. Yeah. I really and
2: appreciate then, that. And then of course she's following her brother's orders and she goes and hooks up with, uh, with Timberwolf, Timberwolf. and they're like, you know what? Maybe we need to go. Cause they mentioned something about the dark man. Maybe we need to go and talk to,
3: the people that tried to attack us before yep the dark man's thralls from legion 253 yeah so we go back
2: assassins. and we go back and we hang out with the league of super assassins and they're all like screw you man we don't talk with the pigs and of course they show that they're powerless to get out of their cages and the mm-hmm. head science officer policeman is like sorry i didn't know that they wouldn't cooperate with you don't know why you would think that they would (laughs) they're named the league of super assassins i mean anyway they're gonna be the leader's like come on cats let's get out of here these people are bringing me down and as they're walking away just this horrible shot of block turning around with his butt in the camera his butt in the camera turns around and says uh if you guys will uh go easy on me Maybe I could help you out, and they're like, "We have no reason to trust you, but we will trust you." Come, and then
3: Block's like, "Okay." I like that shot of Block because even though he's not human and he doesn't have fully human features, you can see, you can see the hesitation, you can see the trepidation in his body language. Sure. And then he turns and he's like, "I love you." I always picture Block's voice as sounding like two pieces of rock scraping over. each other. Gravel rubbing against each other. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I guess my, obviously this is not my block. Uh, so not I yet. don't like this drawing or he this characterization of him
3: at this point. Yeah. My block nose is, and he has his, uh, his thing brow Ridge
2: at this point. Yeah. My, my, my block is, is reboot block,
3: uh, Archie Legion block. So yeah, this one there, is there a is, little, there is no, block in the the Archie Legion. Is that what you're saying? Are you mocking me? No,
2: I'm just saying I, I don't, I don't like this characterization of this, of this version of block.
3: Yeah. That the, yeah, we'll, we'll get to more block, but it's interesting to see him, you know, in this issue as a villain,
2: uh, Mm -hmm. knowing as
3: we do that things are in his future.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, surprise, surprise everybody. He helps, uh, he helps the Legion members track down, the dark man. Mm-hmm. And we find dark out who it is. Man. Meanwhile, trapped in the bubble beneath the sea, under the sea princess projector is like, Hey, I know we can't push our way out of the bubble, but what's preventing anyone from pushing their way into the bubble. I mean, they're underneath the water with all this pressure already pushing on the bubble. Mm-hmm. I would think that the external pressures are probably already taken care of. But anyway, she's like, watch. And she creates a, a magic snake fish that comes and, and attracts another snake fish and they fight and they break the bubble from the outside. And from the bottom of the Marianas trench, they swim 30 feet to the surface.
3: <laughs> they clearly have their trend suits on allowing them to breathe underwater. But we've already established that
2: we've already established that princess projector doesn't have her flight ring.
3: Sorry, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, ah.
2: Uh, meanwhile, everybody as we but said,
3: Wildfire and Monel would be dead.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most certainly. Most certainly. <laughs> uh, but it's whim of the rider, to... and let's let us not worry about such trivial things as flight rings or the pressure <laughs> of the bottom of the Marianas Trench.
3: Well, the um, ocean
2: is 25 feet deep. Here. Exactly. Everyone <laughs> knows that. <laughs> meanwhile, Lightlass, Timberwolf, and Block uh, bust Lock. their way into the secret spaceship of the Dark Man, and they find out. That it is, Thayrock Johnson, but he's made whole, whole oh, Thayrock. It's rock. the whole Thayrock. <laughs> what I think happened—it it can't when he, be. When he burned but off. it is. You're Thayrock. Thayrock. A whole Thayrock. Congratulations, Legionnaires! You've entered my sanctum sanctorum! (laughs) Allow me to introduce myself. I am the Dark Man. But perhaps you know me by another name.
3: That voice, I I presume it's
2: the monarch. (laughs) No, it is it is. (laughs) Even do you promise
3: to tell the rock, the whole rock, and nothing (laughs) but the rock?
2: But but how would we know him by another name when, when Timberwolf just screamed out his name like three times?
3: Well, Timberwolf doesn't scream until after he says you gotta read down see how the top of that panel starts so you transfer you, there's someone inside i can see who's within then you go this is poorly designed uh page by oh. way, but then oh, you go hmm. to dis- so
2: but, so you're understanding my sarcasm there
3: no, uh no so so we've it, it, we've had like you said i have a guy i got a baseball team and i'm like oh you're probably confused because our first baseman his mother was chinese yeah his name is James
2: Hu. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have done issue 269, Who Shall Name the Dark Man? And then we've also done issue 270, Who is the Dark Man? You'll have to tune in to the next episode when this story concludes with, What is the Dark Man? I'll do you one better. Why is the Dark Man? (laughs) I know, right? I know, right? Uh, so what would you think? Uh, I think that there are some highs and lows in this uh, comic. I certainly like the first issue better, mainly because this mm-hmm. second issue spins like six pages of recap of stuff that it didn't need to be need didn't need to be there.
3: I like the recap up to a point, but there is too much of it, and you know how can you be so incredibly weird as to spend a third of your issue telling us what happened. A lot of things clearly did happen for since last issue, because this issue opens with the Legionnaires trapped. We never right. saw any of them right trapped in a bubble. And right. that's kind of neat. But I think that partly because of where this takes place, this is my favorite Legion issue in a
2: long time. Oh, most definitely. I this mean, is better. This is better than uh, Schmigadoon. And this is certainly Shmigadoon. better than crazy Mark Twain in space, uh,
3: which right. was actually a, a claymation movie. If you go and track that crazy right. stuff
2: down, I feel like um, this is
3: better than the the circus of the space dam.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, this is, this is, but, this is good, but there's, there are a lot of moments where I was just like, especially in the second issue where it's like, seriously, are you guys spending six pages mm-hmm. doing nothing but recap? And I understand, you know, this idea of, you need to make every issue accessible to a first-time reader. Uh, Marvel does, I think, I don't know if they still do it, but in the last 10 years, they did an excellent job of, you know, previously in this issue, and they had a one yeah, little paragraph inside page. front cover recap that I just loved. And I, and I love it when other publishers do it because it's very easy for me that in, to step into that book without having to know all previous 500 issues of the series but I think this may be carrying it a little bit too far. So that was, that was pretty annoying in here. Plus knowing that this is the middle issue of the book, there's, there's some tension, but there's not like high tension. Right. Um, yeah, I know being trapped in a bubble at the bottom of the sea in a hole in the bottom of the sea in a bucket,
3: SpongeBob SquarePants.
2: Um, I know that that's supposed to be terrifying and what will happen to our heroes, And I know Timberwolf uh, going out on his own and seeing half naked uh, light lass might be uh, the titillation factor that you need to get through this issue. But man, Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of I'm slogging through stuff that doesn't need to be explained to me.
3: Yeah, but I I also feel like this is the start of Conway getting his footing and doing a story that feels like a Legion story, not just in terms of, Hey, can we make these Legionnaires do fun things? But it feels like it's squarely in the 30th century. And even though, you know, the dark man's backstory is filled with weird, wacky retcons. And the end of this issue is just the beginning of the wild and crazy stuff that's coming with the dark man, having that moment of, Oh my God, he's related to somebody that we've seen before. Yeah. As opposed to he's this, you know, this weird genie or he's, you know, robot Mark Twain from space wearing an I like Ike metal and a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. None of that is a joke, by the way. <laughs> no, um, I know. you. That was for the people listening at home. I, but I do we like get a different, do we get is, a different, just getting it?
2: Does, do we get a different inker next issue? Because the inking in the next issue, uh, and we'll probably talk about this in the next episode, the ne- mm-hmm. inking in the next issue is like super heavy handed. Like, Someone took a Sharpie or one of those chisel uh, markers and just drew big outlines around everybody.
3: (laughs) That, I mean, that is something that does happen. We actually have different inkers in both of these issues. That's what I thought, too, because the Jimmy
2: Jane stuff does not look consistent from issue to issue.
3: Yeah, this issue, 270, uh, is inked by Frank Charamante. I believe okay. the previous issue was inked by. Oh God, now I'll have to look it up. That's but yeah, a, the, when you see next issue, I want to say next issue maybe inked by Joe Staton again. But you get to a point where uh, one of the things about Jimmy James that is so incredibly frustrating is that his art is very, very easily manipulated by the inker. Whereas if you know you're reading something like that Starlin issue. When we had, uh, oh, I'm sorry, not Starlin. What was his name? Steve. Oh, Steve up. Yeah. Didn't Apollo. want his name on there. Well, would you? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you do get to a point where I think Jane's downfall is the fact that he does some pleasant layouts. He does some good stuff, but whether or not the inker is up to speed is where things just kind of go off the rails for him. So, yeah.
0: next issue
3: does have a different anchor so
2: i mean things do have a drastically different look
3: but we'll talk about that
2: next time yeah that wraps it up for this installment of the legion clubhouse matthew what did we learn this week
3: we learn that if you talk about the dark man long enough he shows up just like the Candyman. i don't know if they mentioned him five times or not but okay Uh, We
2: also know that making out with your girlfriend on a beach is going to lead to trouble.
3: And we learned that even though all the Legionnaires can fly, sometimes gravity is a harsh mistress. Thank you again so much for being part of the Legion
2: Clubhouse. Please spread the word. Tell your friends. Bring more people into our shows. Hey, would you like to listen to a live recording of this? Tell you what, uh, let's have 50 more people sign up to our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers, and we will record one of these uh, future episodes live for you to come in and hang out with us, and then you can yell at us about all the things that we're getting wrong, or you can agree with (laughs) us on all the things you're getting right. Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers, that's where you need to go. And until the next uh, episode, I am Liam Neeson. And
3: I am Dwayne the Sock Robinson.
0: The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa.
2: This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.